A popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy or perhaps both. 194 years have passed since James Madison wrote those words and while most 21st century Americans would endorse the sentiment, translating a thirst for government transparency into workable public policy has never been more difficult thanks to societal changes and technological advances that Madison and his fellow founding fathers couldn't have imagined. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll focus on the many policy questions raised by the move to equip law enforcement personnel with body-worn cameras, including the biggest question of all, who should have access to the recordings and under what conditions? First, though, some background from Eric Weddle of WFYI Public Media. The use and availability of body cameras is under debate nationally as police interactions with the community, especially in fatal shootings, come under scrutiny more than ever. While law enforcement organizations generally favor the use of these small wearable cameras, researchers say policies of how and who can use the footage remains less clear in Indiana and other states. Yeah, Paul. The police are very in favor of these cameras because they offer a number of advantages for police and the community. So, for example, uh, police uh, are subject of allegations, just as uh, the, the community uh, says the police did this and police say the community did that. All right? And so in interactions where you have is the camera provides evidence to either support uh, or uh, not support claims against either the police or against the community. Police use of force is a hot topic and the idea that cameras uh, may position uh, police to use less force. And police know they're being watched and may be more, more uh, conscious of, of what they do, but also if the citizen is alerted that the uh, instance is being recorded, that the citizen is less likely to use aggressive behavior, which could oftentimes result in, in conflict and force. Indiana police departments such as Indianapolis Metro PD want to use these body cameras, but don't have the money to pay for it. A camera can cost anywhere from $800 to $1,000 per officer, plus much higher costs for the data storage and management. For Indiana lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle. Thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable discussion. Indiana lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue researchers are at the top edge of computer technology, 3D design using hand gestures, extending mobile battery life, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. I open the show with a passage that James Madison wrote in 1822, almost two centuries ago. Now, obviously, Indiana's Access to Public Records Act isn't nearly that old. It was enacted in 1983, and it's been amended several times since to keep pace with advances in technology. What's more, the authors of that measure sought to be as comprehensive and forward-looking as possible as evidenced by the law's definition of public record as any material that is, quote, created, received, retained, maintained, or filed by or with a public agency. This session, despite the law's seemingly clear intent and deliberately broad language, Hoosier lawmakers are struggling to apply its provisions to the sights and sounds captured by police officers' body cameras. At the heart of the debate, how do you balance the public's right to know an individual's expectation of privacy, or can you? 
Joining me to explore the issue are Republican Representative Kevin Mann of Cartford City, Chairman of the House Government and Regulatory Reform Committee, and a former police officer and Blackford County Sheriff. Democratic Representative Cherish Pryor of Indianapolis, Ranking Minority Member of the House Local Government Committee. Veteran Public Safety Administrator Troy Riggs, currently Chief of the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. And Steve Key, Executive Director and General Counsel of the Hoosier State Press Association. I thank you all for being here for this discussion. Thank Let's you. start with some basics. Uh, I presume you all would think that police-worn body cameras have merit or value uh, in and of themselves, I guess all the, the use of them aside, but is that, is that in fact the case, Representative Mahan? I think it's a great investigatory tool for law enforcement officers. It's uh, there for their safety, it's there for the public safety, and uh, it's a great tool to also use for accountability for all those that uh, are involved. And Representative, would you agree? I mean, a lot of, you represent an, ur an urban area in Indianapolis. A lot of uh, other cities around the country have had some tensions mm -hmm. uh, between the communities and, and police. And in some cases, these cameras are seen as a way to address that. Is, yeah. is that a fair assessment? It, it is. I think it is a great sense of security, not only for the police departments, but also for the people that the police come in contact with as well. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody is safe. The, the police officers want to make it home to their family, and people want to be safe as well. So the accountability is really an important um, aspect when you're talking about body cameras. And, Chief, uh, I know you want them for your department. Uh, last fall when the Justice Department, the U.S. Justice Department, handed out grants to about 75 agencies. Uh, unfortunately, from your perspective, Indianapolis wasn't among them, but you're hoping to get them in the coming days, or I should say at least months. We are. We have some money budgeted. There's about $250,000, $300,000 this year. We're going to be able to purchase about 250 to 300 of these body cameras. They're important for, obviously, police accountability. That's what a lot of people are talking about. But equally important, and maybe not even more so, is when you look at we can review officers' approach, we can look for training, we can make sure that officers are safer as a result, and there's going to be a time in the future that we'll be able to tack into those uh, live feeds and look at that, and commanders make decisions which we think will save officers' lives and citizens' lives as a result. Sounds like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie in the making. Everybody will do it from Command Central. But Steve Key, even though I know we'll have a, what I'm guessing will be a vigorous debate about the use of these cameras or the content they yield, you would agree that there is value to, uh, to the oh, cameras themselves? Absolutely. Uh, West Lafayette has used them, and in the first year of their use, uh, the chief testified during the summer committee that their incidence of use of force had dropped 66% because both the officers and the people that are interacting with them all know that they're on, on camera. And so I think it works to modify behavior so the officer treated with more respect, so there's less chances of things escalating and, and getting into a case where force is used. And since state statute does not address uh, body cameras specifically right now, it is, I guess, sort of a, a gray area. Uh, it depends on, largely on what the given agencies want to do, those that have cameras is that is that right well because the uh, the cameras like the cruiser cams are, are they kind of come on when the officers in the uh, the uh, investigating or, or interacting uh, they, they generally right now fall under what's called the investigatory records exception which gives the, uh, the police departments the discretion to release or not and uh, uh, in our ex uh, you know examples we've seen the experience has been that Sometimes that discretion is used maybe more in the interests of the 
law, uh, the law enforcement agencies wanting to avoid getting a black eye as opposed to actually trying to protect the integrity of an investigation, which I think is one of the factors that has led to uh, the legislature looking at, at that. Plus, the uh, agencies need some direction as far as how long should we keep the tape and, and, and Well, that's, so. that's a big issue uh, because uh, you've pointed out, Representative Mayhem, that theoretically somebody could erase or jettison a tape within 24 hours if, in fact, uh, an agency had done, there had been improper conduct and you were bent on hiding it. I mean, theoretically, I'm not suggesting Theoretically, that. and I obviously, you know, sheriffs are elected by the people and you have chiefs of police that are appointed. Uh, by mayors that are, you know, uh, elected by the people, and I believe most of these men and women that are serving are, are always going to do the right thing or want to do what's the right thing. Of course, that's in the eye of the beholder at times. Um, but certainly, you know, uh, under a lot of circumstances, they could currently uh, delete these recordings uh, in 30 days um, currently. So, and I think that's what's important to point out here is that post-Ferguson, uh, situation that just uh, happened not too long ago. There's more police agencies that are getting these body cameras or wanting to get these body cameras, but they are looking for guidance and direction. And uh, we had a very good summer study committee this summer where this was well vetted, took a lot of testimony from a lot of folks. And um, currently as the bill sits, uh, which my goal was to get it back over to Chairman Bray uh, in the condition that it came out of that summer study committee. So the Judiciary Committee. Yeah. Correct. And uh, so we look forward to continue uh, to work to make that bill better. And, uh, Cherish Pryor, do you think we, uh, as more and more agencies, you heard the chief say that he's hopeful of getting uh, his officers equipped, do we need more specific language, do you think, or, or you know, can things stand as they are? I think, you know, uh, government is always behind the eight ball, and we're always trying to um, catch up with the advances in technology. And I think this is one of those areas. Um, so we do need to uh, update and make sure there's some type of uniformity for the expectations of the police officers and also um, people as well. So, you know, it's definitely something something that is needed that we, we're really going to have to to continue to talk about. And this is, a you know, the Summer Study Committee was a great start. We just have to make sure that we have the right law passed and, and not do this uh, arbitrarily. And um, this is something that works for everyone. And that's the big question, of course, Chief. Uh, You've been looking at this uh, in some ways for more than a, a two years. You were part of a right. conference of exec uh, law enforcement executives in your prior role, uh, one of your prior roles when you were public safety director in Indianapolis, uh, a Justice Department program that looked at best practices and lessons learned. I read all 70-some pages. It, it seems like uh, there, there was no one takeaway about how to handle, for instance, the content produced other than be careful. Uh, well, one of the things that came from the meeting in D.C. and one of the things that we really focused on as Indianapolis and representing the citizens of our great city and this state is that as a major metropolitan police department, it's our responsibility to be open. Uh, when we had a few of our body cameras in the field to test those, the recordings that were captured were shared with the public when they asked for that. There was a couple times they didn't, and we shared it anyway because it involved the police-involved shooting. I think sometimes people get confused, however, that if a body camera catches a police-involved shooting or some type of potential criminal act, that becomes evidence, and it's up to the prosecutor at that point. It's not up to the police department. And people, I believe, are under the impression that all this information should be released immediately, but when it's evidence, it's got to be treated as evidence. And, and that's one of the sticking points with a lot of individuals. What we have said as a city of Indianapolis 
we will share information. We're going to be open about those cameras, but if it is evidence, then we have to work with the prosecutor's office. But we've made a follow-up promise that once a case has been fully uh, adjudicated in a court of law, we'll release all that information to the public at that point as well. And that's where the challenges come in. We had the high-profile case in Chicago, 17-year-old shot 16 times. I think three years passed before finally uh, uh, the city of Chicago released that. So we sort of set the stage, uh, Representative Mahan, the bill you had put forth, uh, 1019, if you could sum it up, what it is you want to do, what it is you're trying to accomplish. I mean, you've touched on this already. It's, it's accountability and it's, it's making sure that officers are protected. But it's, it does make it kind of hard to get at, at least as it stands now, the content, the recordings themselves, unless you are a member of that agency, that, that, that police agency that captured it. You know, John, that's the sticking point. And obviously with what we've discussed here, um, we're, we're dealing with a very delicate uh, balancing point with uh, transparency and public records and also yet the, the privacy of individuals. This reminds me of my time in law enforcement. Uh, Chief can probably uh, relate to this. Everybody wants the law enforced to the fullest extent until it becomes their family. And most people want to be into everybody else's business and know what's going on until it's their business. And when I've had an opportunity to talk with Hoosiers across the state that I've had many of opportunities to do, when I talk about the specific situations uh, of what could potentially be their information or their inside of their home uh, or their children or whatever the case may be on television or on the front page of a newspaper, that causes them to go, oh, I understand now what it is you're trying to do. So uh, I think we're going to get there. Uh, one of the things I think uh, that Steve will, uh, he testified last week is we're going to put the onus over onto the uh, police agency if this is ever a petition in court. Uh, so that they'll have to, uh, the police agency will have to prove beyond a, uh, the, the preponderance of evidence as to why that would need to be kept um, under wraps at that point in time. I've been on record as saying that, you know, I don't need to see everything. And quite frankly, the public doesn't necessarily need to see everything, and neither does the media. In uh, timing, and the chief had talked about that, that the timing is very, very important. We don't need to have trials uh, by media. That may not be such a big deal when you've got a million people here in Marion County, but when you've got a community of 12,000 people in Blackford County, and we had a double homicide just last year, uh, we have to be careful with how we handle that. So uh, I'm very happy. I think this is the way the process is supposed to work, and Representative Pryor has just been a, a real asset at the table on this as well. A real asset, but a real asset who voted against uh, the bill, uh, <laughs> as did all of your, your Democratic colleagues, and actually spoke against it, too, uh, saying yes. you thought that that in fact these, this, these recordings should be available to everybody. Elaborate on that. Yes, I, I do think, uh, the one thing I think that we have to keep in mind is that um, taxpayers have already paid for this. So uh, we do need to keep, uh, keep, keep in mind that these are public records. Um, I do understand that certain information is sensitive and should be obscured, but I also know that people who are involved in situations want to get access to that. And my concern was that people would only have to, would only be allowed to view the footage twice and would not be able to get a copy and then potentially having to go to court. And these are individuals if, who are individuals actually in involved, the, in the, yes, individuals the involved themselves. or their loved ones if they, if they are deceased, um, then that will cost them money. Um, and I think if a person is involved in an incident, they or their family members should be allowed to have access 
to those recordings and be able to get a copy uh, as well. That was the, the, the one of the main sticking points to me. But I also think the public should be able to have access to that information, but not sensitive information, social security numbers, uh, which is already exempted. Yeah, and some of those things, uh, medical information. Or so. Yeah, um, if they're if they are young people, you know, we shouldn't be able to see their face. Another thing too, I think that's important to keep in mind is that a lot of people are now recording stuff with their cell phones, and so you have you know the police body camera, the dash cam, and then potentially people having their own cell phone and that that footage. So you know, in some instances, dueling cameras or or yeah, three-way dueling cameras. Yeah, three-way dueling. Yeah, potentially. So you know, you got that aspect as well. Well, chief, you've heard sort of the two views here. What do you want to see come out of this? What would be your comfort level? Well, I don't want anything uh, to be drafted or to be voted on successfully that limits my ability to release information to the public. I think that every Which chief... Which would, as uh, it's originally written. Well, there's some, there some things that it would, but if it's regarding a criminal case, I understand that. But we want to be able to, as chiefs, to be able to release the information we think is important. I think it's important in a major city uh, that people have the right to see the videos. They have a right to see what's being recorded. That's something that we certainly support. We'll continue to release it. We think that's good for the community. The other point of the discussion I think we're missing, too, is as we have this, we need to get it right. And I'll tell you why, is that not only will police departments use body cameras, but I will not be surprised in the future if EMS doesn't start using body cameras, if the fire departments start using body cameras uh, to help with their training, but also for patient care. Then you run into HIPAA laws and regulations. There's a lot that's going to be developing over the next decade when it comes to body cameras and the use of that to improve services for public safety. So back in 83, when uh, the Public Access, uh, the Access to Public Records Act uh, was enacted, nobody anticipated a lot of these. Oh, but no. I mean, is it as com does it need to be as complicated, or do you, do you, how would you resolve this? Well, it is complicated. If it wasn't complicated, it wouldn't have come before the, 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 the summer committee. Uh, and there are the privacy issues, which I, I really think have not been really a, a major issue in the bill, because I think everybody's in agreement to the need for certain things to be obscured, you know, because of either the graphic violence mm -hmm. or privacy issues. The issue's been more the, the balance and the ability of the, the uh, public or the media or, or, or people involved to be able to actually get access to the uh, the video of, of a particular incident, balancing that with the law enforcement's need to protect an investigation uh, or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, so that, for, for instance, you wouldn't want the, the event to happen during the day, be on air at 11 o'clock that night, and the officers haven't had time to actually go and interview all the witnesses because so, they want to interview what the witness saw, not what they saw on, on, on TV. So, so there, there, are, there are some balances there. But unfortunately, uh, from our perspective, the, as the bill came out of the House, we felt it was tilted too far towards law enforcement uh, with, with incentives for them that if they didn't want to bother with the expense of making the tape for the citizen, they could just say no. And now the burden fell on the citizen to have to spend up to thousands of dollars going to court uh, to try to get it, uh, 
To prove and that there was a public interest to, without having seen it first. I guess right, sort without, of without, without seeing it and then having to, to have the burden to try to prove that there's a valid reason why it should be released. So, uh, you know, we're glad to see that the efforts are being made by Representative Mahan and, and uh, Senator Bray and, and there was a subcommittee uh, that worked on it. From what we're seeing, we think that balance is coming back into a little bit closer into play. It may not come back to the perfect balance we would like, uh, but I think that uh, a lot of the major uh, issues are going to be addressed in the, the amendment. And if the media organization or any member of the public prevailed, uh, I know how it was uh, as it left the House, but do you think that the uh, compromise language would allow those individuals to recover attorney's fees if, in fact, uh, a judge rules that it is in the public? Because that was not the case in the initial uh, language, which I think is a departure from most everything else in the public. It's, uh, it's 180 oh. degrees from the Access to Public Records Act. Yeah, they'll be able to... They'll be able to uh, obtain the attorney fees and court costs, possible civil penalty if a requestor, which we're going to have defined in law now, is denied, and the judge finds that uh, you know the the agency withheld that. Uh, but when it just comes to making the decision, uh, it, it, let's say chief says no, that's something we're not going to release. There's going to be some standards that's going to be met that he'll have to go by. If the uh, the, the media or the general public then wants to petition the courts. Uh, the judge is going to decide, not a public access counselor. And in that case, there would not be any uh, attorney fees that would be recouped at all. And I think one of the things I just want to hit on with what um, Steve had said, uh, when we talk about this balancing point, this, uh, we're getting to the point, we've got to be real careful. Because if we tip it too much more, I think a lot of these agencies that have uh, body cameras or maybe are thinking about buying cameras, uh, we don't want them to shelve them because... Uh, we're just going to go overboard with the footage that's out there. I use the state of uh, Washington. Uh, they passed a law that just says that all police video, video footage has to be put out there on the web. And uh, I've learned that many agencies out there that uh, was looking at getting these body cameras have said we're not going to do it now. And I think that that would be a travesty. Although, I mean, I did notice that the Seattle Police Department, which I presume is by far the largest in the state, is moving forward saying, and they even had a hackathon so that citizens uh, in Seattle and they, they know a thing or two about computers there, yeah. can figure out how to find easy ways to obscure children's faces and rape victims, and I don't know what the outcome was, but it's all, it's all speed ahead. I mean, yeah, it, yeah it, I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, I, you know Kevin and I, we, we disagree on some things, always friendly, uh, but, but I don't think that, there's, there, that we're going to reach a point where it's going to discourage the, uh, the departments. I mean, as we said before, just the fact that it modifies behavior for both people on side of the cameras. It's going to be a plus, a savings, not only in, in, in people being injured or, or killed, uh, but from lawsuits if they're not having the, those kind of, of issues. Uh, and, uh, you know, if we take care of the privacy issues, you know, really coming down to talking about, uh, you know, who, who pays if it's, if it's a situation where uh, uh, the, the public has, has had to go to court uh, to, to, uh, to try to get these, these tapes and under the Access to Public Records Act because the public is the entity that is the enforcement arm. You don't go to the police or prosecutor to say, will you make them release this tape? I have a right to. It's the public, and that's why the legislature said it so that if you have to take that final step to be able to get a record you have a right to, then you should be uh, compensated for that effort. And I know there's a fear that uh, on the part of some agencies that they'd be bogged down with requests, but I think Muncie's Police Department has had cameras now in place at least some point since the in 2015, and I I don't think they've had a single request for 
for a tape. Now maybe that's that's an aberration, but would you expect this to be a a, a, a unit delegated simply to this chief, or is right it? now in our real time data center will probably handle a lot of this with the department. We anticipate when we first go to body cameras, we'll have a rush looking for <laughs> recordings and checking things out and monitoring it, and that's fine, and we'll be ready for that. Over time, we think that'll dwindle. People get used to them. It'll just become part of the everyday practice. Oh, we're in a large city. We'll get more requests than most people, but we're better equipped to handle those. So we're not, long-term, we're not too concerned about it. We are concerned, however, with what every one of this panel is talking about, individuals' privacy, making sure that we don't violate any of their rights as citizens, and that's going to be something we have to really work through, especially in the beginning. That's why in Indianapolis we have really taken a, a methodical approach to really look at our policies and procedures, watching mistakes that other cities have made uh, over the long term. But once again, let's not forget body cameras are here to stay. They're going to be expanded. There'll be more cameras used in the future. We have to get this right. And last word, you voted against, of course, the original bill, but based on what you've heard about some of the changes that are likely to come, you would have, would you find that uh, agreeable to you? I, I would, I think it much more appealing. And, and Representative Mahan has, you know, I work with him on other issues, been great to work with, um, open and, and wanting to get this right. So uh, I do see great potential with this being something that we could all uh, support. So that's why you called it her great asset. Now it all, it all, I understand now. Thank you all. I appreciate your being here for this discussion. Uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it as the session progresses. Again, my guests have been Republican Representative Kevin Mahan of Hartford City, Democratic Representative Cherish Pryor of Indianapolis, Troy Riggs of the Indianapolis Police Department, and Steve Key of the Hoosier State Press Association. Some environmental bills aren't so much about the environment as about power because, well, politics on the next Indiana Lawmakers. And time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, it sounds from the roundtable as if there is clearly uh, some agreement with a compromise. If that, in fact, happens, uh, are there other practical considerations that we didn't address uh, for agencies? I'm sorry, can you speak into the camera, please, John? <laughs> Here, do I look yeah. right there? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and even though it seems like most of these police agencies, the law enforcement agencies are welcoming this, they also understand that it comes with costs. And we're talking about practical costs. You know, in Evansville, for example, they've discovered that it basically costs them about $30,000 every year or two just for the servers on which to store everything. And they don't know how long they're going to have to store things past perhaps that 10-year limit. So it's going to be very expensive for a lot of these, these local law enforcement agencies when, when it gets down to actually having to, to deal with the impact of the law. And I guess if you're talking about costs, it's not just storage, but if in fact somebody has to go in and review something to see if it should be edited or something should be blurred, that, that's not factored into the, the cost you just mentioned? No, it's not. And, and those personnel costs are going to have to be computed as, as well. And, it, and these are the kinds of, of complications that we're starting to see with a lot of the other uh, electronic records requests that, that are, are beginning to, to kind of come about as a result of, of changes. We, we saw one local government down in, in southern Indiana spend, I think it was like $30,000 with a law firm to try and, and get them to go through each electronic email and redact those and, and decide which one should be released and which shouldn't. And these, these costs are the kinds of things that we haven't seen with other kinds of, of uh, regular written kinds of records. Do you think this is uh, an, an indication that there's a broader concern on the part of the public about privacy? I mean, we hear privacy, 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 but 
I mean, there's also an obvious reason why people want this kind of government accountability. Sure, and, and this may be kind of a harbinger of what's to come with all these records. You know, we're starting to, and, and not just records, but other kinds of, of related issues. We're starting to see the legislature having to, to grapple with a lot of different privacy issues. You know, things related uh, to, for example, the, the um, black boxes in cars that compute speeds and hard stops and things like that questions about drones and where drones should be able to, to fly, all these kinds of privacy things. This is just yet another example of it and perhaps the first one that the legislature has really devoted some time and attention to. And is the mechanism, we have a public access counselor that was set up, what, maybe a decade or so ago. I mean, is, is that going to be robust enough to handle some of these uh, disputes or do we need a whole new mechanism to deal with this? Well, I'm sure that it, it can be handled within that context, but it's, it's going to pose a whole different set of circumstances for the access counselor to deal with. Very good, Ed. As always, appreciate your insight. For more information, streaming episodes, and extra content, go to wfyi.org lawmakers. You can also visit us at WFYI on Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag Indiana Lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues Ed Feigenbaum and Eric Weddle, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more on the 2016 session. Until next week, take care. Purdue startup NeuroVigor, renewing hope for people with chronic diseases like MS and Parkinson's by targeting neurotoxins, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.